Hi, you're listening to Audio Scrambler, a podcast about music. I'm your host, Bob Waller. This month, May 2017, is the month that the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus went out of business. Now, I know people are having mixed reactions about this news. It's been celebrated as a victory for animal rights, and I'm down with that program. But still, I can't help but feel a little sad at the passing of this American institution. And so this episode of Audio Scrambler is all about circus music. We'll start in ancient times and come all the way to the circus-inspired musicians of today, like Tom Waits, Danny Elfman, the Dresden Dolls, and many more. So let's do it. Let's go way back. Circuses date back to at least the ancient Roman Empire, in other words, long before the advent of recorded sound. So we know fairly little about early forms of circus music, though some narrative accounts suggest that pre-modern circus performers were often accompanied not by bands, but by a solo musician, often a flutist or a violinist. Eventually, though, the calliope emerged as the solo instrument par excellence for the circus. That's the instrument you're hearing right now. It's a mid-19th century invention, basically an organ that's powered by steam pushed through carefully tuned pipes, which were originally train whistles. The song you're hearing right now is a modern recording of the 1894 hit, The Sidewalks of New York. It comes from the album Circus Calliope, released by Gay 90s Village Incorporated, and like many circus songs, it's a waltz, which is characterized by three beat measures. One, two, three, one, two, three. Three beat measures often sound odd to contemporary listeners, and oddness is as good a characteristic as any to begin a conversation about what constitutes circus music. Because if we can say nothing else about circus music, we can at least say that, like the circus itself, circus music often revels in the unusual. To be clear, though, it would be a mistake to associate waltzes too strongly with the circus, or vice versa because the vast majority of the world's waltzes were not written for the circus, and circus pieces don't have to be waltzes. A circus tune could be a waltz with three beats per measure, or a march with four beats per measure, or a polka with two beats per measure, and in contemporary circuses, it could even be a theatrical form of heavy metal. In its classical iteration, though, circus music's quintessential musical form was something known as the screamer. Screamers are military marches, usually set to classical instrumentation and revved up to a breakneck 200 beats per minute. The most famous screamer is the one we're hearing right now. This is Valentino Production Music's recording of Entrance of the Gladiators, which was written in 1896 by Czech composer Julius Fusik. For many people, Entrance of the Gladiators is particularly synonymous with circus music, and as we shall see, snippets of it have been used by pop, rock, and other musicians over the years as a quick and easy way to evoke the thrills and spectacles of the circus. 
So let's go there. Let's look at the intersection of circus music and pop music beginning in the early 20th century. He floats through the air with the greatest of ease. This daring young man on the flying trapeze. This song is the man on the flying trapeze as recorded by early 20th century comic crooner Eddie Cantor. The song itself dates back to 1867 with words by George Leiborn referring to then-popular French trapeze artist Jules Lyotard, who popularized the form-fitting clothing that now bears his name and that also made him a sex symbol in his day. The song has been covered by Burl Ives, Spike Jones, Les Paul and Mary Pickford, Alvin and the Chipmunks, and even Bruce Springsteen. It exemplifies early 20th century pop music's approach to the circus, which is to say it contains lyrical references to the circus, but doesn't particularly make use of musical motifs associated with the circus. By the way, my own personal favorite song of this type is this one. Oh, Lydia, oh, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Lydia, the tattoo lady. She has eyes that men adore so, and a torso even more so. This is a song sung by Groucho Marx in the 1939 film At the Circus. It's called Lydia the Tattooed Lady, and it evokes the circus not only because its title character is a sideshow performer, but also in the way it embraces the unusual. Tattoos on women were uncommon in 1939 and typically considered untoward, but the narrator's affection for Lydia is undaunted. At the same time, though, the song's fascination with the exotic is expressed only through its lyrics, not through its music. Like the man on the flying trapeze, Lydia the Tattooed Lady refers to the circus in words, but shies away from the musical motifs of the circus. This is a trend that would continue into the early years of rock and roll, but sometimes with a slight variation. To join the circus. A few minutes ago, I mentioned that pop and rock artists of more contemporary eras would reference the 19th century's entrance of the gladiators as a quick and easy way to evoke the circus. And this song we're hearing right now illustrates that point perfectly. This is 1961's Goodbye Cruel World by James Darren, and as you can hear, it occasionally drops a few measures of entrance of the gladiators, but then it goes right back to being a standard rock and roll song. In some ways, it's like the man on the flying trapeze or Lydia the Tattooed Lady. Its lyrics are circus-themed, but musically speaking, it mostly sticks to the popular sounds of the day. On the other hand, it does at least dip its toes in the waters of circus musicality. It's almost as if it's checking to see, can we do this? Can we experiment with something other than the most standard pop sounds? By the way, another well-known early rock and roll song that incorporates parts of Entrance of the Gladiators is this one. This is 1962's Palisades Park by Freddie Cannon, which incidentally was written by Chuck Barris, who would go on to host The Gong Show. And another song I would put in the category of pop songs that include brief references to the sounds of the circus is this one. Oh, 
This is Tears of a Clown, recorded in 1966 by Smokey Robinson in The Miracles, with words by Stevie Wonder. Wonder's lyrics are based on Ruggiero Leoncavallo's 1892 opera, Pagliacci, which tells the story of a clown who, when not making other people laugh, is crying because his wife has cheated on him. Like Goodbye Cruel World in Palisades Park, it includes brief musical allusions to the circus, in this case, a whimsical instrumental segue that is driven by bassoon and piccolo. But as soon as these segues are over, Tears of a Clown returns to being an archetypical Motown song. It wasn't until the next year that the world would receive its first truly high-profile example of a pop band dedicating an entire song to the sounds of the circus. This is Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite from the Beatles' 1967 album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The song was written primarily by John Lennon, who adapted the lyrics from an 1843 promotional poster for the Circus Royal of England's first black circus owner, Pablo Funk. And of course, Henry the Horse dances the walls. Like its predecessors, Goodbye Cruel World, Palisades Park, and Tears of a Clown, Mr. Kite clearly references the circus in its lyrics and incorporates circus sounds, but unlike its predecessors, it maintains those circus sounds from start to finish. Another song from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band that's a throwback to an older, show-oriented form of music from start to finish is this one. When I get older, losing my head many years from now That's the vaudeville-flavored hit When I'm 64, one of many songs from around that time that illustrated the budding hippie generation's peculiar fascination with the music of their grandparents. Other neo-vaudevillian songs of that era included 1966's Winchester Cathedral by the new vaudeville band. Winchester Cathedral, you're bringing me down. 1967's Cuddly Toy. You're not the only cuddly toy that was ever enjoyed by any boy which was written by Harry Nilsson for the Monkees, and 1968's Dream a Little Dream of Me by the Mamas and the Papas. Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Even the Kinks, who were famous for high-octane pre-punk songs like this one and this one occasionally recorded songs like this one. This is 1971's Alcohol. What it has in common with most of the other vaudeville-themed songs of this era is that it's a one-off. It's not the kind of song its creators usually recorded which caused a question whether the vaudeville revival of the late 60s could rightly be classified as a movement. If it can, it's an unusual musical movement to say the least, because its proponents were mainly bands who were not particularly dedicated to it. Of, 
By the way, I do think it's worth our time to give this little bit of attention to vaudeville for two reasons. One, although vaudeville music is by no means synonymous with circus music, there's enough overlap that it would be impossible to say where one ends and the other begins. And two, in the 21st century, a full-fledged musical movement would emerge, known as dark cabaret or sometimes punk cabaret, whose proponents would dedicate themselves full-time to the reinterpretation of the sounds of yesterday's variety shows, not just vaudeville, but also cabaret, burlesque, and, of course, the circus. But first, let's take a look at the 1980s. The 1980s were a decade of genre-making. Punk, ska, reggae, new wave, rap, tech pop, glam rock, and neo-rockabilly, all of which predated the 80s, reached new heights of popularity at this time, coalescing into clearly sustainable genres with their own circuits, fashions, fanzines, radio shows, pantheons of stars, and catalogs of must-know songs. So it should not be surprising that this was also the decade when certain artists began dedicating themselves to circus-like sounds and never turned back. Take the artists we're hearing right now, for example. This is Tom Waits performing Dave the Butcher from the 1983 album Swordfish Trombones. Waits had been releasing critically acclaimed folksy, bluesy singer-songwriter albums with occasional nods to burlesque for over a decade at this time, but Swordfish Trombones was a departure. It was his first self-produced effort and the first album he recorded after marrying Kathleen Brennan, who encouraged him to foray into the avant-garde and was now emerging as his co-writer. Although not all of Waits' music from Swordfish Trombones onward could be comfortably classified as circus music, it was always unorthodox and always hearkening back to some older, showy, theatrical form of music. Some of the more circus-influenced highlights of his career include the slow march in The Neighborhood, which is also from Swordfish Trombones. I'll Be Gone from 1987's Frank's Wild Years. Innocent When You Dream, also from Frank's Wild Years. You're innocent when you dream, when you dream. You're innocent when Just the Right Bullets from 1993's The Black Rider. And Carnival, also from The Black Rider. Other artists who deserve honorable mention for their circus-themed work in the 1980s include Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds for their 1986 song, The Carney. Dog boy, Atlas, Mandrake, the geeks, the hired hands. There was not one among them that did not cast an eye behind in the hope that the carnival would return to his own kind. And Danny Elfman, whose career as lead singer of the ska pop band Oingo Boingo, it's a dead man's party. led to a second career as composer of often circus-themed TV and movie scores, such as the score for 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure, directed by Tim Burton. 
the theme for 1988's Beetlejuice, also directed by Tim Burton, and the theme for 1989's Batman. Nineteen eighty nine was also notable because it was the year that this album was released. I'm calling, but no one will be hearing. This is the single A Thousand Violins from the album Bouquet of Vegetables, the first of now over thirty albums released by the Tiger Lilies. And the Tiger Lilies are significant because they're often referred to as the forefathers of the dark cabaret movement. Oh, by the way, if you've never seen the Tiger Lilies, you really should check them out. They're a small band, only a trio, and yet they're one of the most theatrical groups around. Their songs are gritty comic tales from a macabre underground of poverty, prostitution, sexual deviance, and addiction sung with fantastic dramatic flair by accordionist Martin Jacques, who along with bassist Adrian Stout and drummer Jonas Golland, dress in wardrobe reminiscent of 1930s German cabaret and wear comically grotesque clown makeup. I recommend checking out the video for their song, Gin. You'll get a good sense of what they're all about. Now I wanna clarify something. Although the Tiger Lilies started releasing albums in 1989 and are now often referred to as a dark cabaret band, that term, dark cabaret, was not regularly used to designate a full-fledged musical genre until around 2005, when a mostly goth rock label called Project Records released a compilation of songs by burlesque slash cabaret slash circus slash vaudeville-inspired musicians called A Dark Cabaret. The most famous song from that compilation is this one. Coin operated boy sitting on the shelf. He is just a toy. This is Coin Operated Boy by the Dresden Dolls. Probably the most popular act of the dark cabaret movement, the Dresden Dolls are pianist singer Amanda Palmer and drummer Brian Viglioni. Like the Tiger Lilies, they are particularly inspired by the minimalist cabaret of the Bertolt Brecht era, so their sound is small and acoustic. That is why I want a coin-operated boy. But many other acts associated with the 21st century burlesque slash cabaret slash circus slash vaudeville revival are more clearly evoking the larger-than-life sounds of the circus, sometimes augmenting them with contemporary accents like rock drums and the distorted guitars of punk rock and heavy metal. Some of the contemporary circus-inspired acts that have not yet been mentioned in this episode of Audio Scrambler include Sweden's Diablo Swing Orchestra, here performing Bedlam Sticks, Norway's Kaiser Orchestra, here performing Begravelses Polka, and I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Australian circus metal bands, Vicious Harry Mary, performing Spyro. And Darth Vegas, performing A Night to Dismember. Plus California bands, Stolen Babies, here performing Felistada. 
Vermilion Lies performing Circus Fish. I want to smoke you like a fish. You smell like kelp, I think it's hot. And Mr. Bungle, this is their song Carousel. I'm sure I owe some really good bands some apologies here because I'm really sure that I have left some important bands out because there are just too many bands to cover in a less than half an hour podcast. But that's the point. Circus music, albeit reinterpreted in modern punk and metal forms, is an actual genre now. It's got enough momentum to keep itself going for who knows how long. And I think that says something about the appeal of the circus for a lot of us in the 21st century. In a time when the most popular forms of entertainment are driven by more and more sophisticated technology, the old world charm of the circus can seem anachronistic. But I remember going to the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus and other circuses when I was a kid, and I don't think the enjoyment I experienced there was particularly bound to the past that I was living in at the time. I think it was based on something timeless. Because the circus, in its essence, is a celebration of the extraordinary. And that's something that at least some of us will always be drawn to. I'll admit that the adult version of me isn't thrilled about the reputation circuses have for the cruel treatment of elephants and large cats, but the child version of me didn't see those issues. All I saw was a big, bold, unrestrained celebration of the bizarre. And to an awkward kid who often felt out of place in the world, the circus was an affirmation that oddness can be glorious. And so it is with a certain degree of sadness that I bid farewell to the greatest show on earth. You may not have been able to survive in this postmodern economy, and maybe none of the other circuses will either, but some of us will always see you as a reflection of our own weirdness and an outward expression of the grandness we feel within. We will forever wonder what it would be like to run away with you. And even if the world creates a future where that can never happen, we will still sing your songs. By the way, that last song you heard in the background was my old band, Stout Rebellion, performing Alabama Song, alternatively titled Whiskey Bar. It was popularized by The Doors in the 1960s. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Though it was written in the 1930s by German playwright Bertolt Brecht, who, as you just heard, was the inspiration for many dark cabaret bands, including and especially the Tiger Lilies and the Dresden Dolls. I tell you we must die. Thank you for listening to episode 6 of Audio Scrambler. Episode 7 will be a follow-up piece on the history of clowns in pop music. If you have any great ideas for future episode topics, I'd love to hear them. Audio Scrambler is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can contact me at audioscramblerpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Bob Waller reminding you to keep your ears open. The more you listen, the more you love. Yeah.